Say, have you ever gone into an art museum or any museum and wondered, seriously, what's the story behind that thing? Well, our next guest is right there with you. Tim Gearing is the host and creator of The Object, a podcast that tells the story of the Minneapolis Institute of Art through its 90,000-plus artifacts representing 5,000 years of world art history. Here's a clip from their new season launching this week. When European explorers came across these temples in the 1800s and early 1900s, they found sculptures everywhere, missing body parts. They assumed at first, just as people do today, that this is simply what happens if you leave something out in the elements for hundreds or thousands of years. Whether it's from ancient Egypt or ancient Greece or ancient Rome, things fall apart. Especially things that are, well, sticking out. (laughs) Podcast host and creator Tim Gearing joins us right now. Hey, glad you could join us again. How are you? I'm well, Kathy. Thanks so much for having me. That was nice line you had there. Good writing, as a matter of fact. I, I enjoy that. So <laughs> uh, you. you were on last year with us talking about the podcast, The Object. And at that time, you're heading into the fourth season. This is season five, right? Wow. That's right. Yeah, five years now. What's new for this season? You know, I guess what I would say is new is that I'm starting to look beyond some of the sort of greatest hits of the museum and into some of those questions that we all have when we walk into an art museum or any museum. How did this stuff get here? And why is it the way it is? Um, You know, who decides? And when you get to those questions, you sort of move beyond art into some of these bigger social and historical questions, which is, you know, so fascinating to me. I want to go back just briefly here because, of course, that was a provocative line in the podcast, the uh, the Department of Missing Limbs. Um, by the way, why so many objects? Why are they missing limbs? Was there looting going on? What happened? Uh, so many different reasons, and, and some of them rather unexpected. Um, looting is one, for sure. I mean, sometimes... You know, if you're somebody who has something to sell, you might even break that object in, in two, right? You might sell the head and the body, uh, a, a twofer. Um, and some of these things are broken off because they were chiseled out of caves or out of some other place where they couldn't get the whole object. So that's certainly part of it. Um, one of the more fascinating things for me um, about that story is that we've just kind of come to accept that ancient objects are broken, right? Mm -hmm. Well, there is, uh, you know, there's a history there. You know, at some point, people liked the fact that these things were broken. That was sort of interesting to them, right? This is sort of the romantic era. And broken ancient objects symbolize decay and some of these other romantic ideas. You know, so, you know, the Venus de Milo, right? You know, the the sculpture with the the woman who's missing her arms, famously. Yes, yes. You know, when the when the French first come across this sculpture, you know, it's not long after they realize there's some other pieces around. They they have a piece of the arm, they have this apple that she was probably holding. But they're like, you know, nah. <laughs> we like it the way it is. And, you know, just kind of tuck these other things away. You know, the base of the sculpture has a date on it that's sort of inconvenient too. You know, these things are all sort of pushed aside. Because what matters is this sort of iconic image of, of, of a broken woman from the past. And you get to, 
to sort of revel in that that romantic um, aura. Did you have the idea for the podcast or somebody else? I don't remember. Was that this your idea? Uh, this is, uh, it, it was my concept in the sense of, you know, I'm, I have a background as a writer. I've been writing about arts and other things for 25 plus years. And so the concept of, you know, can I just tell a good story with good writing, a little, maybe a little background music, as you heard, and, um, you know, tell these stories, uh, you know, that was my concept because those are frankly my strengths. I'm not a curator. I'm not an art historian. But I can tell a good story, I think. And and that's, you know, over five seasons proven to be a, a good formula. You do tell a good story. Tell us about the case of the missing Rembrandt. Oh, uh, that's a great one, um, too. You know, we have this Lucretia painting, Rembrandt painted towards the end of his life. Um, this was a painting that was bought by Herschel Jones, uh, former publisher of the Minneapolis Tribune. Um, and this was purchased just a couple of years before he dies. And um, so his widow, uh, Lydia, inherits this painting. She has seven children and, you know, she has to figure out who's going to get this painting. Well, her solution is to um, give it to the museum. So no one gets the painting, <laughs> um, but, you know, Minnesota does, the state does. And of course this becomes kind of an unexpected calling card that fell in the lap of the museum just 20 years after it opened. And, you know, for, for a long time, it was almost sort of a joke. Like this painting was never at the museum. It was always traveling because, um, you know, we'd lend it out to all these shows, but it was, it sort of put us on the map. You know, uh, you've got so much in, in Mia's collection to, to talk about and to, to focus on. Do you try to find artists in the collection who have specific Minnesota connections? Uh, I do. I mean, there, there are some good ones, and there's some, some artists, um, you know, that may be familiar to people, like George Morrison, the um, uh, Ojibwe artist uh, from uh, Lake Superior area. Uh, and then there's, there's plenty uh, who are unfamiliar um, and, on, on, you know, the other side of that, of course, are Minnesota collectors, you know, the, the background again, which I'm so fascinated, these the stories of how things end up here in Minneapolis is often as interesting, as interesting as the art itself. Right. Agree. So you have people like Herschel Jones, you have people like T.B. Walker, who founded the Walker Art Center, was a, a big supporter of the Minneapolis Institute of Art as well. Um, you know, there, there's just... Uh, great stories behind those folks, and there's great stories behind the connections that we made to some other artists. We we used to have this thing called the Artmobile. This is like in the early '70s. Oh my gosh, it's I semi, remember that. Uh, do, do you really? <laughs> yes. It's like it's an it was a semi trailer that we would drive around the rest of the state um, outside the Twin Cities and and bring you know original artworks, really good artworks. Anyway, I found some correspondence between the, the the man who was curating the artmobile and George O'Keefe, and and he says, you know, um, we'd like to have some original art from you, Georgia. Can I? I I'm going to follow you around in the artmobile until you give me some art. <laughs> you know what I really like about that is that you know George O'Keefe in the 1970s is like the world's most famous recluse, right? Right. You know, this is what we know about her. And yet, he, you know, her response was like, you know, don't bother trying to follow me around in that artmobile thing. Why don't you just come to my house? 
you know, so Even that better. sort of set me off. At, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that sort of set me off in the story of like, was she really a recluse or is that just what we wanted to believe about her? You know, and this, the, the story of the sort of image making that went on around her and, and that, you know, goes on around a lot of famous people. Wow, that's a great story. See, this is you, you're perfect for the job because of your journalistic background. I mean, because really, you're using all the tools of journalism. You're digging around, you're doing the research, you know, you're combing through right. archives. You're perfect for this. Well, it's an awful lot of fun. I mean, I, you know, to to be able to indulge my curiosity. Our former director used to call me the curator of curiosity, and that and that's all it is. Um, you know, I just sort of get a thread and if it feels like someone hasn't quite you know run this through to the end yet that's something I can pick up on and five seasons in I'm getting into some pretty curious stuff I'm gonna have to listen absolutely because I love Monet your June 5th episode the one that's coming up making Monet uh I'm yeah I mean that that's the idea you know I, I think I've said before I I'm sort of like a 1980s TV producer. I only work like one episode ahead, so I haven't I, I haven't uh, <laughs> totally fleshed that out. But it's you know, okay. we have this we, we have this great Monet of, of the haystack, you know, and he made he made a lot of these things, and he made a lot of um, paintings of a single thing, right? right. He did his lily, his water lilies, of course, and he he did a number of these. Um, subjects and that that was sort of fascinating to me too like because the line we get from that as well he was studying the light and he wanted to see it in different light right right uh you know but he also wanted to make money and that's where i'm going to come into this it's like okay the, you know monet the millionaire i'm going to absolutely listen to that but i'm going to give you some time to get it done tim it's been a pleasure thank as you. always thank you so much same here thanks for having me on kathy tim gearing is the person behind the object podcast at mia this has been Minnesota Now.